Hello, and welcome to Thal Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming that you out there in listener land know everything that there is to know about psychological abuse and arm fatigue, which may or may not be related. Uh, Today is September 22nd, and I am... This just says name. I think my name is Nancy. It's a Friday afternoon. I don't know shit. Oh, it is Friday, huh? You're... (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one who don't know shit around here. Uh, Your description, I am your basketball enthusiast, Baroness of Basketball. But I'm going to talk about soccer, as I have been doing for a while. And I'm joined by a peanut gallery here. Uh, Person in the green shirt who didn't know it was Friday is... Yeah, I'm the only one who wore green. Both of y'all wore matching blue. I didn't get the memo. I am Rachel. I am your baseball guru. And, and I am Rebecca in blue in my maintenance phase fat lady about town t-shirt. <laughs> oh, nice. um, yeah. And I am your uh, director of hockey operations of this podcast. And this introduction really bodes well for this episode. Yep. I'm very oh, it's excited. Gonna be, it's going to be a cracker. I love it. I think our blues are a little different. Mine's more turquoise. Yeah. Mine's more like uh, gray blue. This is great yeah, pod okay. for our listeners, by the way. <laughs> Listen, yes, peanut let's gallery. Talk, let's talk more about visuals on an audio medium. <laughs> I hate you both. Right. <laughs> Happy so Friday. So we're going to kick it off. We're kicking it off. It's only getting better from here because we're going to start with basically what's sports gossip, um, which is me talking about uh, some Bay Area, we'll politely call it speculations. Uh, in the sports realm, uh, starting with the WNBA, which is been planning to slash rumored to be expanding for a number of years now. They really need to. Uh, it's past time, but the, um, I guess she's the commissioner. Her name's Kathy of uh, the WNBA has been a little reluctant to do so, you know, being sort of con- fiscally conservative in the sense of like not wanting to overextend the mm-hmm. league beyond what it can support which is fair you know i don't but i I get what she's trying to do she really wants to build the fan base and make sure everything is very solid before starting a bunch of new teams which valid but i think we have hit that point so i would like it to move um but it is in theory planning to expand and i should cite that i the majority of this gossip is coming from a san francisco chronicle article uh by a person named scott osler Uh, published on the 17th, so five days ago. And the gist of the article is talking about Joe Lacob, who is the owner of the Warriors, um, and who apparently, and I didn't know this, maybe you did, Rachel, but apparently tried to buy the A's years ago, and instead it got sold to Fisher. Yeah, I think I remember um, hearing that he was in the the conversation for that. Yeah. And was like a super outside long shot to step in and buy them now, which is not going to happen, but... Right. We well, dream. so that's that's part of the speculation here is that this this article is is saying, you know, come on, Joe Lake, be a Bay Area hero, own the Warriors, buy the A's and keep them in Oakland. It's also sort of speculating, and I've seen this elsewhere too, that like if the MLB, you know, if the A's go to if the team goes to Vegas, but then the name stays here, that like maybe he could own the expansion team that would be the A's or whatever. In any case, 
speculation of Lacob being interested in that, and then also saying the WNBA is planning to expand uh, the Bay Area. I think this is hyperbole, but seems almost assured of landing one of those expansion teams. Ah, uh, mm, I mean, I hope so, <laughs> but I, I, that seems like a, a strong statement. But um, exciting. <laughs> but exciting. Um, and suggesting that Lacob, uh, who has previously expressed interest in having a WNBA team, might be a good uh option to own it however there is an oakland group that i was familiar with before african-american sports and entertainment group uh who i guess is in the process of buying a half share like a 50 percent share of the coliseum site and has been behind uh, at least in part behind a campaign to get a wnba team to come play in the coliseum is that where they play uh, that's where the a's currently play yeah, the Oracle Arena and the Coliseum are are side by side. Okay. So it, I assume it would be an Oracle, um, which is where the Warriors used to play. And of course, now they're across the bay. Got it. Um, so I, I, I have kind of mixed feelings because on the one hand, like Joe Lacob's been a great owner for the Warriors. He has put his money where his mouth is. He's been very supportive of you know good team practices of the players of this coaching staff like he's really i think he's had a lot to do with making the team as successful as it is um both in terms of supporting the culture and supporting the material realities of what you need to invest in order to have a winning team um so that would be great in terms of having a wnba team to have somebody who has shown that sort of commitment and interest Mm -hmm. and willingness to do that on the other hand, do I really want a monopoly for Joe Lacob of Bay Area sports teams? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and at the expense of the African American sports and entertainment group? Are they involved with the, the Roots? Is that the group? Okay. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. The Roots and Soul, I think, are their okay. own group. I don't know that they're involved. Um, so then the article is going on to suggest that maybe they could partner together um, and have the the proposed hoped for WNBA team play its home games in Oakland but then some things like all-star games could maybe happen in a chase center blah 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 it i mean it really is like this is this is the gossip section of the pod mm-hmm. i don't know how how likely or valid any of this is but i thought it was a really intriguing yeah. idea i was like well okay like mm-hmm. sure that's he's been good i could see that is there a timeline i mean i will say sorry no. like, i was wondering if there was a timeline for the expansion no, it has as far as I know, it's announced. Even oh, confirmed. okay. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. It's it's all gossip. Um, yeah. So I was going to say. I mean, Ted Leonsis owns the the company right. that owns the Wizards, which is the DC mm-hmm. WNBA or DC NBA team. He owns the Mystics, which mm-hmm. is the WNBA team, and he owns the right. Capitals, which is the hockey team. And right. it's worked out really well. Like he's a really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, as good as billionaires can be owner right. of you know several teams in the area so it can work but i sure but your point about like an old white an old rich white guy owning something over a minority yeah. owned organization i i get that especially in a in a sport that is primarily minority athletes yes mm-hmm. yes yeah it's definitely it's one of those where like if for some reason that group couldn't 
couldn't quite swing it and then Joe Lacob wanted to come in and be like, here, let me help you pull this. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. I'd totally be on board for that. But I don't love the idea of him just like beating them out and being like, no, mm-hmm. no, no, here, let me just, you know, so, and again, th- I am skeptical of right. the verifiability sure. of a lot of this. Sure. I mean, maybe I've missed something, but I don't, I don't think so. Um, so it, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're fantasizing here. Um, yeah, he could be a great WNBA owner, but I don't want it to come at the expense of local groups. Sure. That, yeah. yeah. Would be minority owned, minority driven. Yeah. The, I'm glad you mentioned the Roots and Soul, though, because they have just done a really interesting thing, which is they're, they're owned by the same uh, backing group, I guess. Um, and they have just gone public. And so they have invited the community to buy into ownership of the roots and the soul um so we did oh, wow. oh, nice. we are now part owners of you know that's awesome so i have the certificate that i was gonna say did you get a nice. piece of paper to yeah, show it we got a, nice well we got a pdf Aww. and they're gonna mail <laughs> us a t-shirt so <laughs> but i thought it was really cool because i feel like you know so few sports teams are owned by the community and yes. i think that's really neat i mean we've talked about the packers on yeah. here before who are the only major team that i know of that are community owned yeah uh roots and soul are minor at this point though they you know they would eventually like to join the uh, msl and nwsl but i think that's a, at least a few years away but yeah you'd think if anywhere could swing it there's enough aging hippies out here to yeah right buy in <laughs> yeah so so it's fun now i guess i gotta you know turn up to a couple games or so um so that's uh that's my wnba slash joe lacob slash oakland gossip for the day we're kicking us off (laughs) uh that way um so moving well i suppose slightly more into uh reality um Tell us about Otani, Rachel. Okay, yeah, this is something that has happened, is happening. Verifiably yes. true. So, uh, to remind you, uh, if you... Yes, please remind me. ...don't <laughs> care about baseball more than just what I talk about. So, uh, some background here. So, Shohei Otani, if you'll recall, is the first uh, two-way player, which means uh, pitcher and designated hitter, uh, since Babe Ruth. And he has been with the uh, Los Angeles Angels since 2018, but since 2021, he's been finally healthy enough to play regularly. He's really hit his stride, and for the past three years, he... And he's been real yeah, fucking Yeah, good, he has absolutely right? lived up to the hype. Um, mm-hmm. The problem, of course, is that the Angels can't buy their way into the postseason. Uh, <laughs> so... Oh. At the end of this season, which we're coming up on uh, the postseason here in baseball, so not too much longer, Otani is coming up on free agency again. Um, And Mm. of course, given his performance and how much he can do, he was expected Mm. to get a record contract. Uh, The Angels, in fact, could have traded him uh, for top dollar by the season's trade deadline, which is like in August. Um, but they decided not and to. Didn't. Yeah, they decided to make one final Hail Mary push to get to the postseason this season. And they flipped. Uh, yeah. Angels are second to last in the AL West with a sub 500 win percentage. Oh. Uh, oh, the only team worse than them is. Is the yeah. Ace. 
in the division. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so hey Rachel, yeah, hockey starts soon. If you if you need some more help about something, I you know what. <laughs> one, one thing at a time. Okay. One thing at a time. We'll I, talk. We'll talk. I, I gotta say, I love how we have been doing this podcast for like four years now and have not actually convinced any of each other to start watching each other's sports <laughs> with any it's regularity. True. I mean, it's there true. have been a few, yeah, a few exceptions we'll watch for like yeah. playoffs and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. 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 But that's the extent yep. of it. It's true. That's a really good point. I'm sorry. We have been doing this for four years now because we started in August of 2019. I know. I just realized that the other day and I was actually really thrilled by it. Yeah, that's amazing. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead, Rachel. (laughs) Tell us about the sad baseball man. Sad baseball man. Uh, Okay. So uh, I like this quote from Mark Carrig at The Athletic about... um, the angels once more the world was reminded that singular excellence is no match for collective mediocrity Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh. oh that hit me where it hurts yep. oh uh yeah so i mean there's a lot of of argument about whose fault it is that but that nah, that's not worth going into anyway so that's that's all background the big news on august 23rd uh otani who was pitching came out of the game with quote-unquote arm fatigue that turned out to be a UCL tear. Uh, UCL is a Gosh. ligament in the elbow. Uh, oh. Pretty damn important when you're pitching the ball. I was going to say. That, yeah, a little that bit. seems yep. kind of crucial. Yep. Uh, he won't pitch for the rest of 2023 or all of 2024, uh, though he kept hitting until September 16th when he finally <laughs> strained his oblique. And they were like, no, you you have to stop now, sir. Just Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. I know it this is like not the point Thompson of this. thing to do. Yeah. This is not the point of this particular conversation, but I feel like we do need to have a conversation about why athlete men are allowed to continue athleting when they're injured. That's actually like, don't give them the choice. Yeah, oh, is that where you're part going? of this conversation? Yeah. Carry on. So uh, he had already <laughs> damaged his UCL a few years ago and had Tommy John surgery in late 2018. Tommy John is the reconstruction of the UCL. Um, and at this point, I haven't looked at the stats, but I think at least 50% of of MLB pitchers get it. Like it's super common Um, at some point during their careers and sometimes multiple times. Um, So he didn't pitch at all in 2019. He had a procedure at the beginning of this week, some kind of surgical procedure to reinforce the healthy ligament and add tissue to bolster to it, to bolster it. Um, The tear was in a different place than the first one was, which is a good sign. Um, notably the rep that made the announcement about the surgery didn't say it was a second Tommy John surgery. Um, about half the commentators are assuming it was half the commentators are assuming it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So as we get into what issues this raises, the first question, who's responsible this? So who's responsible this? Yes. (laughs) I think, I think we just got our title. (laughs) We did. We did. Um, the rumors are that the Angels general manager ignored, uh, or that he, so uh, Otani did have a finger cramp in early August that may or may not finger have cramp. been a sign of something worse. Yes. And supposedly the GM offered okay. him a, a more substantial scan during the finger cramp, uh, uh-huh. but he did not take them up on it. And there was no reason to think that the finger cramp was a sign of something. Except this is like a super expensive 
super good player. So like at that point, don't you just scan everything just to be sure anyway? Like uh-huh. I feel like I would. That is that is one argument. So um interestingly, a little more background. I learned that the reason he signed with the Angels in the first place was because was because they were mediocre at the time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um so he wanted to keep both hitting and pitching. Um, but there's uh, currently there is no like there is no precedent for him right now in the MLB. Right, sure. And if he'd signed with a higher end club, a better club could have and almost certainly would have forced him to choose either one of the other, so he could be useful right. immediately. That's fascinating. Yeah, actually. it really is. So by going with the Angels, he bought himself those three years, 2018 to 2020, to get his feet under him in, him in the MLB, mm-hmm. and to be able to do both at a high level. And that almost certainly would not have happened had he signed with uh-huh. a more competitive team. That's super interesting, actually. Yeah. It really is. And so a- another result of that is he and, and what's referred to as Team Otani, which I assume is, you know, his... his Fans or whatever. Well, his staff. Yeah, like his his people, his nutritionists, his whoever he consults about his health and his trainers. His doctor. They retained a lot more agency than most players have to keep making his own decisions about playing and his health. And now people are saying that because this happened, the Angels organization should have intervened. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the think pieces about it assume that players are going to want to play at all costs but yes. should be stopped for their own good and protected from yes. themselves. Yep. Yes, especially the men, because they're stupid. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, it gets into a lot of issues of paternalism here, saying that Otani yeah. should not have been trusted to make decisions for himself. Mm-hmm. And a whole lot of people have a lot of money invested in him staying healthy or at least healthy enough to keep playing. Mm-hmm. So if Otani had not been allowed to exercise his own power and play w- like he wanted to, he still would have been a right. good player. But he never would have probably even been allowed to do what he's done for the past three years. He wouldn't be mm-hmm. breaking all these records. We might not be talking about him the way we are. You know, we wouldn't have had essentially some of the most exciting baseball in decades. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, now is the the time to talk about... Because also, you know, we think, yes, protect these players from the sel- themselves. Otani is 29, He's not, mm-hmm. you know, a brash 21-year-old who doesn't know, yeah, who's who's wants to burn brightly for a couple years. He is mm-hmm. a grown-ass adult. An adult. Yes. Yeah. Um so, you know, what at what point should yeah. people have intervened? Yeah, I I hear that and and probably if I was in that position, I would balk at somebody keeping me off the ice, off the field, off the court. Um but, and I, and I, you know, your, your comment about paternalism kind of stopped me a little bit. Um, Cause I think you're, I think you're right. I think your comment that it's kind of paternalistic is correct. Um, but God, I, I feel just... like there's a middle ground though, yeah. right? Like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta work with him on what he will and won't do, but I feel like pushing your guy to get an extra scan like well, that doesn't feel like a big deal you know I, like you're not also, taking his agency away from him in a meaningful way if you're just saying let's look at your arm and make sure nothing else is wrong so you know it's a little bit also so before we started recording nancy and i were talking about like our employees who are sick and don't want to take a sick day 
Yes. Honestly, it feels a little bit to me like that, but on a larger scale. I think mm-hmm. some some of professional athletics is so toxic and capitalistic that people will not take a day off when they are ill. Yes. Like we see it in just regular old offices where we're not making pasquillions of dollars where somebody has a migraine or somebody has a sick child or somebody has a fever and they don't want to call out for a day or two days to take the time to get better. And I feel like some of this with sports is that just on a much larger scale and a much more public scale. Yeah. I also do think we need to take into account though, that like y'all's jobs are not your passion and that's fine. Yes. I would say a lot of these players, that is, like, they are genuinely passionate about it. I mean, certainly not all of but, them. For some of them, it's a but, job. Yeah, but that to me feels like even more reason to say, stop, take a beat, get the extra scan, take the extra week. Because, you like, if my job this. was my passion, I would be even less likely to take a day or a week or a month off if there's something truly wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I also wonder, like, though, if you start demanding scans for everything, because uh, one one thing that I kind of need to get my head around is that, like, these things that sound very minor, like, oh, he's Uh got a finger cramp, he's got a thumb blister, like, it's a big-ass deal when you're dependent on your hand and your arm for your livelihood. Yes, right. Um, So I don't know, like... Was it people scouring, you know, anything that was announced about Otani for anything that could have been assigned? Sure. And, you know, it's the pitchers get finger cramps all the time, you know, and there's there was really no reason. And also, I don't know how disruptive it is for him to get a scan, you know. Um, Right. I don't know if they have the appropriate machinery close by. Like, but also, like, these are people with immense amount of resources. Yes. Yes. Like they can get scans when they want to. They can't. I guess I guess what I'm thinking is like are if that became the new norm, are pitchers just going to stop reporting these small pains and sure. injuries? You yeah. know? Yeah. That's certainly possible, but I feel like that can't be the basis for your decision. Yeah. You know, like you can't that that then puts you in a preemptively reactionary position, right? If I say, well, if I do X, then so-and-so is going to do Y. I can't, like, you know, it's like if I try to think of a good example, but it's Friday afternoon and I'm <laughs> fucking brain dead. Um, if Yeah, no, we, we know where you're going, Nancy. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a good place to make a decision from right. because it, it may force you to avoid making a correct decision based on what you're anticipating the reaction to be. And like, I definitely, I definitely hear you on like, we don't know how common, you know, like, do they get a finger cramp every other day? Like, yes, maybe it's not reasonable to then get a full arm scan every other day. Sure. That's true. I don't know. Yes. I just feel like it's, you know, like amazing pianists insure their hands, right? Mm -hmm. This is the thing because it's your livelihood. It's Mm -hmm. literally what it's literally your moneymaker, right? Like we always hear about like celebrities who insure their face or whatever. Well, it sounds ridiculous, but yeah, if Tom Cruise gets in a car crash and, you know, 
smears his face across the windshield and has to have reconstructive <laughs> surgery. I know Rebecca. I know Rebecca is making gestures that insinuate that she would not be upset were that to happen. I make no gestures whatsoever. This is but, an audio medium. I make no visual whatsoever. There's no reading between the lines here. Nope. Um, you know, it's not an unreasonable thing to do. And I just feel like this is in the same genre of thing. And like, yes, there are lines somewhere and I don't feel like we quite know where those are. Yeah. But I feel like it's not, it, I wonder how much it interacts with the sort of machoism of like, yes. walk it off. You yes. know, like, but maybe there was something wrong. Maybe he even knew or could kind of feel something was wrong. But because of that culture, was unable or unwilling to mention it and just hoped it was nothing right yeah. like i also yeah if we live in a culture where even cubicle dwellers are like i can't miss a day it makes me look weak yeah. like what does that imply for the yeah. folks who are doing actually difficult things yeah i i also think there's something about um the masculinity of sports where people think that they are irreplaceable and invaluable. So if I miss half a game, if I miss two games, that's going to screw up the whole team. For and, everyone, for everything. Right, right. And like, I feel like that that's kind of, it's not doing good service to your team. And also if one player is going to fuck up the team, then there's something wrong with the, the, the composition of the team. Yeah, the, I mean, this is another work rant that I have. I should be replaceable. You know, yes. I'm a high-level manager. That's great. There are things that I do that I like to think are valuable. I hope are valuable because they pay me to do them. But that does not mean I should be irreplaceable. If I'm right. out on vacation, if I'm sick, if I quit, it should not put my organization in such a position that they cannot cope. Right. Like that's uh, that's the sign of an unhealthy organization if you cannot be covered. For, yeah. Right. It's, yeah. I think a little less of that in baseball, just because like that could even be. if you're a starting pitcher, it's one of at most one out of every five games. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he was DHing a lot. So I don't know if that he did it every day of the week, but yeah. it's almost more about economics at that point than mm -hmm. about um, what it's actually going to do to the team. Because mm -hmm. you will see it if the team is well structured. Uh, it, it, well, it's harder for like one individual, obviously, one or two individual baseball players to make a team do spectacularly well, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I will say this is something that has come up a lot for Steph Curry, and I've always really mm -hmm. respected how he's handled it because dude has had some injuries, dude has had some long term injuries. Uh, Steph Curry, also notably a very good player who carries his team a lot of the time mm -hmm. in a way that you can't in baseball. Nope. Uh, but he has really learned over the years, I think, that patience to really work through the rehab and not come back until he's ready. And I think he hates it. He definitely sits on the bench looking like he'd you know, rather uh -huh. chew tax than sit on this bench anymore. But he doesn't fight it. He doesn't push it. He really listens and works with his team and says, you know, like, is honest about, like, this feels ready or this doesn't feel ready. Mm -hmm. Because he gets the big picture of he wants to play as long as possible. That is his stated yeah. goal. Yeah. And if he, you know, continues to fuck up his ankles or whatever, 
he's not going to be able to do that. He's going to burn right. out much, much sooner. Right. He's going to shorten his own career. Exactly. By yeah. trying to play. Harder. And I feel like yeah. it's an emotional and intellectual maturity that's rather rare in sports, actually. Yes. I think it's really nice that he has that. Mm. Anyway, anything else about Otani? <laughs> yeah. So the, the second question, which is of lesser yes. importance, I think, is what is this going to do to what was probably going to be a record trade deal? so before this people were predicting a 500 million dollar deal which would be uh the only thing higher than mike trout's record deal of 465 million dollars um i don't know how many years like that was the highest dollar amount of a trade i believe in the sport um maybe people have gotten more per year in some instances but i Mm -hmm. think that's the highest dollar value so as of the latest, his doctor announced that he will be ready to hit by opening day of 2024. Um, he could play in the outfield, which is a lot of w- what a lot of designated hitters do. Um, oh, really? Yes. But he hasn't since 2021, and apparently he was unspectacular at it. <laughs> um, he, as of right now, plans to pitch again in 2025, though, of course, you know, he literally just got the surgery done. So, right. Who knows? That's just a guess at this point however Mm. everything i've seen says it won't affect his price tag at all um i don't know if he's just his his image and what he brings Mm. to the team in terms of novelty value is enough that clubs are still willing to pay top dollar for him um i don't know i really haven't seen any counter arguments to that um that's fascinating yeah um so we'll see how that plays out. Um, I think it's like six weeks before his contract is up. Um, and so, uh, yeah, favorites to land and him so then, okay. are the usual no, gazillionaire teams. Yeah. The Dodgers, Ooh. of course, being the most likely because they have more money than Ooh. God. Um, they said <laughs> Padres, Yankees, and Mets may also make deals. Oh, Padres. Yes, because they're all big spending That'd teams. That'd be fun. Yes, I, that would... Yeah, that would be nice. Um, though they have spent a lot this year and not gotten a lot for it. So really? I don't know if they're going to try to make changes. But also, I mean, the Yankees and the Mets are in the same spot, e- even worse. Right. Like where they have spent tons and tons of money and flopped. Um, it's worth noting that the other contenders for the first time he went into free agency. I don't know if they've got the money for him at this point. But uh, Giants, Rangers, Mariners, and Cubs. It'd be really cool if you were with the Giants. Um, yeah, you get to see him play yeah. a lot more often. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, Otani's status as a two-way player was probably never actually going to last very long. I didn't realize this, but even Babe Ruth only did it for like two or three seasons. Really? Yep. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that either. Yep. Uh, and obviously the game is very, very different now, especially for pitchers. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he's already passed Babe Ruth the number of strikeouts. That is strikeouts thrown, I think, not strikeouts received. Um, <laughs> one hopes. Yep. And just one little final end note. Uh, the, when the MLBB did its rule changes last season, uh, they created a special rule that says a pitcher can continue to stay in as the designated hitter, even after they're pulled from the game for pitching. Uh, oh. It's called the Otani rule because currently it applies. <laughs> it applies to literally no one else. Only yep. right. That's so yep. funny. <laughs> That's an interesting rule. Yep. 
I, I mean, that that does speak a little bit to the level of player he is. That, like, mm-hmm. people don't want him to go out and then not be able to play anymore. They want to see him play. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, uh, sorry, you, you mentioned that, what, the highest the highest contract is, like, $500 million? It was four, like $465 million. He was expected to get... 500-ish million. So when you when you said that, I, I'm always curious to compare our various leagues and contracts mm. and stuff like that. The biggest NHL contract value was $124 million. Oh, wow. And it was a 13-year contract for Alex Ovechkin. So but baseball uh, contracts tend to be fairly long too, right? Because basketball contracts do not tend to be nearly as long as either of your sports, I think. Well, it honestly it depends on the player and the uh, um, like the time of their career. So mm-hmm. Ovechkin signed sure. a thirteen year contract, like his second season in the league, whereas mm-hmm. Connor McDavid signed a four year contract last year worth a hundred million dollars. Right, but I think basketball contracts tend to top out at like four or five. Right. I mean, you've got Google, so prove me wrong for sure. But. <laughs> Oh, it was only I think a that's typically. 430. It was a 12 year, $430 million extension in. Let's see, when was this? Because Mike Trout is. This is 2019. Okay. Because he is actually past his prime now. Right. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I think you guys, your sports will have much higher numbers attached to the contracts, but they also have much higher year numbers. So I'm curious how it washes out per year uh, in terms of pay. And that I don't know. Um, So in NBA, the maximum salary is based on the number of years the player has played and the total of the salary cap. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I got it. It was 426.5, not 465. I just typed it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, I'm on board for uh, Otani getting a better deal than Mike Trout. That seems fine, actually. I mean, he does literally twice as much, so... <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Uh, actually, this is very interesting. So in the NBA, um, huh. First round draft choices are assigned salaries according to their draft position. Yep. First overall pick receives more than the second pick, second more than third, and so on. Mm-hmm. Rookie year contracts are for two years only with a team option for the third and fourth seasons. Yep. But if you Google like Google like who's got the current largest salary in the NBA and then see yeah. how long their contract is. And I bet you it'll be like four years, five years, six years, something like that. Yeah, and these may be special also because designated hitters can continue in the game much longer than um, pitchers or position players can. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a much more sustainable skill. Um, I'm going to, I do want to look at this. Um, the mm-hmm. list that I'm seeing now for NBA players only has the dollar value and not the years. Oh, okay. What's the highest well, dollar value? The... Yeah. Uh, Steph Curry. Nice. Good job, Steph. <laughs> Yeah, for the 23-24 season, mm-hmm. uh, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic. Yo- Jokic. I, I knew I was going to say it wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I think Steph's on a four-year contract, for the record. I'm, I feel fairly confident about that. Again, it's then, Friday afternoon and my poor two yeah. remaining neurons are overheating, but I think he's on a four-year contract. 
then LeBron James. I know I'm going to say this name wrong. Joel Embiid. <laughs> Joel Embiid. Thank you. Bradley Beal. Giannis Attentacumbo. You got, got that, that one. one right. You did. Well done. <laughs> Clay Thompson is 12th. Yep. What's Steph making? What's his current contract? I don't remember. I should know this, but I don't. Almost $52 million. Yeah. Yeah. So spread so, over four yeah, or five so, years. Yeah. Right. But if it's a four year contract, that yeah. means he's making $103 million in eight years, which is comparable on par with Ovechkin. Right, and, but and, MLB is yeah. still way ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Rachel. I know we're putting <laughs> you to sleep with our contracts conversation. <laughs> Rachel's yeah. like, contracts, drafting, snore. Hey, she brought it up. <laughs> I did. Though. I know this she did. This is on her. <laughs> well, Rebecca, she has in order to stop you from Googling further, <laughs> reach <laughs> down dig deep and pull up some rage and explanation for me about who the fuck mike babcock is and why we hate him because i saw news headlines about him this week and i was like oh ick that asshole and then was like why do i know that and i could not for the life of me remember why i knew he was an asshole (laughs) but i did i did so i blame you for that somehow but i want to know the details so Mike Babcock is, I believe, 60 years old now. Um, he's been a coach in the NHL for 15 or 20 years. He coached the Anaheim Ducks. He coached the Detroit Red Wings. He coached the Toronto, Toronto Maple Leaf. <laughs> he coached the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he was supposed to coach the um, California what is wrong with me? Speaking of Friday, he was supposed to coach the Columbus Blue Jackets this year. Um, he was, he As quote unquote, this coming year, this coming season, this season, which starts preseason starts tomorrow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the most recent thing that came to light was he got hired to coach the um, Blue Jackets. Um, and before practices ever started because practice can't actually start until basically right now, like this week. Hmm. So he got to meet the players and go watch them do their preseason training and all of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently um, he met with a variety of players and had them turn over their phones to him and he connected it to the television in his office and like was scrolling through their camera roll and apparently some of their apps and through their text messages and stuff like this. And, and subscribing depend- them to this podcast, Fell Puck, available on all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so depending on who you talk to, this has a, you know, a variety of different implications. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think he's the captain now, Boone Jenner. He was like, I don't know. It didn't really bother me. He, you know, we were, we were trying to get to know each other and he wanted to know about my upcoming wedding and what my family was like and whatever. And he asked to see mm-hmm. photos. So I showed him photos, but mm-hmm. other players were like, this is my boss. I don't right. want to show him my right. camera yeah. roll. I don't want to. And it's not just, it's not just 
hey, so-and-so, hook your phone up and show me some things. It's give me your phone and I'm going to look through it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Were they given the option to say no? Did anybody say no? Well, that's a, it's a good question, Rachel. I don't know that anybody was given the option to say, say no. I'm not, I'm not sure how much that option matters in hockey, Right. We talked about some toxic masculinity in other sports. I think it's particularly pervasive in the NHL. Um, And there's such a culture of non-individualism of Mm -hmm. I am a team player. I will do everything for the team. I will not say no to anything. I will say yes to everything. I will say yes, coach. How high coach? Because Mm -hmm. I don't want to be singled out as not a team player. So I don't know if anybody was given the option of saying no or if they did say no or even if they were given the option if that mattered right like a a couple of the rookies like first year in the league have confirmed that they were asked to do this as well and when you're 18 19 20 years old and this is your first contract in the nhl i'm not sure how much agency you really feel you have to say no to your boss right to your coach um so Babcock has said that it was voluntary. A number of players have said that it was not. Um, and, you know, it just kind of looks bad. If this was the only thing we knew about Mike, Mike Babcock, Babcock and his treatment of his players, maybe you could brush it off. But it uh, right. You could be like not. a poor judgment, right. but whatever. And also, I yeah. want to say real quick, there's no way there weren't nudes on those camera rolls like 100 percent. so it is actively an hr violation to show people sexual material in the workplace well and frankly also with some of these 18 and 19 year olds how old are their girlfriends yeah Yeah. that's a really good point um so the the there are two like really famous stories about babcock's treatment of his players one is when um he was coaching for the detroit red wings um, Jonathan Johan Franzen was one of his players, and Franzen said that Babcock called him small and weak. He was not afraid to tell players they were too bad to play in the NHL. Um, Franzen said he was routinely verbally abused, and that Babcock was routinely verbally abusive to him and other players, and deliberately attempted to humiliate some of the players. One of his former players said, he's the worst person I ever met. Wow. Um, Franzen, um, so Chris Chelios is a former player and current commentator for the NHL. And he tells a story about Franzen um, when, when Chelios and Franzen played together under Babcock, he said some of the things Babcock said to him on the bench, I don't know what he said behind closed doors one-on-one, but he blatantly verbally assaulted him during the game on the bench. It got to the point where poor Johan, uh, just broke down and had a nervous breakdown after the game. Jeez. And at the time, Franzen was dealing with, um, concussions and depression he ended up having to retire due to Mm. post-concussion syndrome franzen says about that particular um exchange with babcock that he still to this day gets the shivers when he thinks about it 
Um, it was coarse, nasty, and shocking, but that was just one out of a hundred things he did, the tip of the iceberg. After that, he went on to coach the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the famous story there is that Mitch Marner, who is now one of their star players, in his rookie season, Babcock asked him to rate and rank his teammates' work ethic, and then he, he Babcock, told, like, shared the list with the rest of the team. Ooh. And Mitch Marner would have been about 19 years old. So again, there's a question, there's a question of could Marner have ever said no or not? Mm -hmm. And um, Marner put himself at the bottom of the scale in that, but it didn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like Babcock takes the list and then tells his teammates what this rookie is saying saying about them and their work ethic. Yeah. Um, Babcock says about that conversation with Mitch Marner, he says, we were talking about work ethic and I asked him where he ranked on the scale. No problem. It was just a private thing. It was a good meeting. And then Mitch left. That I then shared with everyone, a private meeting that I then, then, yes. Then he says he was in a meeting right after that with another player and he and that other player were talking about competing, and he said, well, look where Mitch ranks it. Mitch Marner ranks it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Babcock then says, as soon as I did that and he saw the list, I made a mistake. After that meeting, I went right into the dressing room, and I talked to Mitch, and I said, this is what I did. I screwed you over here, and I'm sorry. And he offered right then to Mitch Marner to say the mistake that he made to the rest of the team. And Marner was like, no, no, it's fine. Mm -hmm. So two things here. First of all, I kind of believe both of their versions of the story. Like they're Mm -hmm. kind of telling the same story. It doesn't matter what Babcock's intent was here and the reason he was asking the question and the reason he shared it with other teammates. He still asked a rookie player to rank the work ethic of his teammates and then share the work ethic of his teammates with those teammates, like share that ranking. And I think, I think it's like, it it doesn't really matter why Babcock did that. It just matters that he did. And Mm -hmm. I think there's also, you know, the question of could Marner have said no? Sure. He could have said no, but again, this is his first year in the NHL. Mike Babcock is a legendary coach, right? He's a he's got an incredible winning record, but he also has a history of being verbally abusive and psychologically abusive. So what is Mitch Marner going to do in that situation? Um, well, and I think too, like we got to talk about the kinds of mistakes you're allowed to make at a high level, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody's perfect. Everybody fucks up sometimes. Yep. But these are not the sorts of things that you can do when you are the head of an organization, people managing vulnerable youths and making millions of dollars. Like you don't have and shouldn't have the space to be like, oh, whoops, I just made this like rather egregious personnel issue my bad like no you get a consequence for that which is you lose your job and also i'm sorry you're gonna ask a 19 year old who works for you do you want me to admit my mistake yeah no that's if you think that you have made a mistake that's going to affect the team and their dynamic 
and you recognize it enough to go to the person who you affected directly and apologize, although I'm not actually clear that he apologized. He just admitted to what he did. Yeah. Your next step is just saying that to the team. Hey, I fucked up. Yeah. You don't ask a 19-year-old baby who, over whom you have immense amount of power. Mm-hmm. If you want to give hey, a to make admit- teammates more right? uh, reason to beat him up or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And so I, I think it's as, I think it's as, this whole thing is a story of intent over impact. I think it's very likely that Babcock thought he wasn't doing anything wrong by saying, mm-hmm. "Let me see some photos of your family," mm-hmm. um, but it, it doesn't matter. Right. Like you, you just don't do that as a person in power, right. especially over like Boone Jenner is what twenty nine, thirty, thirty one. He's and he's the captain of the team. He's much more in a position to be like, yeah, I'll show you some pictures of my wife. Totally. I'm happy to share that with you. Then like he knows he has a place on the team over some rookie who's like just signed his first NHL contract and barely speaks English probably and doesn't know what sort of rights they have to say no. Yeah. And also like... Um, you don't get to be an abusive asshole for many, many years, like famously, and then ask for yes. the benefit of the doubt, you know? Right. right. Yes. If you, yes. If some of those things, you know, were done by somebody who had an otherwise good reputation for treating mm-hmm. people yes. respectfully, then yes, right. you can ask for the benefit of the doubt. Right. Not in this right. situation. Extremely no. good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a number of GMs, general managers, have been asked... Like, did anybody come forward to you about Babcock's behavior? And they all say no. And to that, I have two responses. One, we're talking about an extremely toxic male Mm -hmm. culture. What person is going to go over their boss who determines whether or not they play a game on any given day and say, Mm -hmm. my boss is being mean to me? Yep. Because what GM is going to believe that? And I think the other part of it is, the GMs and the coaches in this league are so like incestuously linked. Mm-hmm. Even if you did report it to your GM, your GM, the response is going to be, oh, he didn't mean anything by that. Right. That, that's just how coaches talk. Tough that's enough. just locker room talk. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't looking for anything inappropriate. He just wanted to get to know you. Like, yeah. They're because they're all so like inextricably linked with each other because they're mm-hmm. all in this giant boys club. They're not, they're none, none of these GMs are prepared to hold any coach accountable for anything other than not making the Stanley Cup finals. That's the only <laughs> thing hockey coaches are held accountable for. Well, and I mean, it just makes me think of, you know, a thing that we have said before, which is that there are, what, 31 coaching jobs in the NHL? Are there mm-hmm. 32 now or is there still 31? 32. Okay, so we have 32 now with the Kraken. And it's and there are like 34 NHL coaches. And every time somebody yep. gets fired, it's just everybody Move down. shuffles over Move two down. steps. Yeah, yep. and, and then that's it and then yep. re- rinse and repeat every time yes. we are not getting like new blood or hiring no. fresh people no. with new takes and understandings of how to no. do any of this it's all the same which is why mike babcock 
keeps getting hired and well, yeah. he'll probably get hired again. And, right? and which is what makes it so fucking frustrating to me. Yeah. Like I went yeah. on this same rant about John Tortorella, who I also <laughs> despise because he's also yes. terrible to his players. Yes. And I'm pretty sure he's a racist. And like, there's one of them is going to get hired again. Yep. I mean, John Tortorella still works for the Flyers, which it makes me sad, but we're not going back to revisit that <laughs> whole situation. But yes, you're absolutely right. Mike Babcock is going to get another job and this is going to happen again because why wouldn't it? Right. Um, the, you know, the only joy that I take out of this is that he was hired after the end of last season and he quote unquote resigned before he was ever able to coach a single practice for this team. <laughs> so the mental toll and the psychological abuse he would have been able to enact on this Blue Jackets team is extremely limited. And that's the only good part of this story. Mm-hmm. And for the record, I hate the Blue Jackets, but I still <laughs> don't want this to happen to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you. You don't, you don't want to, you want to hate them for sports reasons. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of terrible men. <laughs> yes. That narrows a it down. A favorite topic on this very feminist podcast. That, that may be another potential title. Speaking of terrible men. Yeah. Uh, so you may remember uh, that there were some terrible men in Spain. Uh, what? <laughs> I know. By the names of Luis Rubiales and uh, Jorge Vilda. And we talked about this on other episodes, so I will give the the Reader's Digest annotated version update here, which is that when the Spanish women's national team won the Women's World Cup, uh, Luis Rubiales grabbed and kissed one of the players as she was crossing the stage. He also did a few other objectionable things, but that was the main one that drew attention. Uh, Jorge Vilda is the... So... Luis Rubiales was the president of the Spanish Women's Football Association. Uh, might be the whole football association. Might be both men and women. I'm not sure. In any case, he's the president of the federation. Uh, Jorge Vilda was the coach. Uh, the women's team hates him to the point that a couple of the players refuse to even play under him. He's yes. been accused of all sorts of fucking creepy shit. Um, so then uh, Jenny Hermoso was the player who got kissed. And in the aftermath of all of this, the entire Spanish women's team said, we won't play anymore. Uh, Rubiales came out def- defending it as a quote unquote consensual action, blah, 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 blah. We talked about this. You can either read about it or, or go listen to previous episodes. But the things that have changed are Rubiales finally stepped down. So that's good. Uh, I do not know if his mother ever stopped her (laughs) one assumes that she did I do not have an update on that so at this point uh, Vilda was sacked Uh, Rubiales finally stepped down Um, Nancy he was the um, the whatever president of the mm -hmm. Royal Spanish Football Federation which um, governs the men's, women's, and youth national football teams. Cool. I love it when you fact check me in real time. I wish you could just like follow me around and do that when I talk 
anytime. Yes. That Talk to great. my family. They love when I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, my grandmother used to tell me, hey, Rebecca, will you go jiggle that? Oh, <laughs> Oh, my mom tells cute. me to ask the Google machine. Uh-huh. I like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's very good. Kyle will do a certain amount of it, but but not on not in the same way that you do. Uh, anyway, so they did actually play a match. The Spanish uh, Spanish national team. They have said that they still want to see serious changes within the organization. Which fair. Mm. Uh, including, you know, among the coaching staff, because mm-hmm. they're all Vilda's, uh, Vilda's appointees and, and people. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but they did play against Spain, uh, or they, Spain played against Sweden, which was the first game that they've played since the World Cup. Um, and the Spanish and Swedish teams came together in the middle of the field to hold a big sign with the hashtag that has has been associated with all of this, which is say say acabo, which means it's over. Um, so they have a big banner that says that, and it says our fight is the global fight. Because, of course, uh, the Spain's women team is not the only team in the world dealing with shitty coaches and sexual assault and mm-hmm. cultures of all of this sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, int- a cu- just a couple interesting notes about this. Um, the, uh, the Spanish players who were called up did not include Jenny Hermoso, even though she's one of the best players on the team. Apparently they said this was to quote unquote protect her, but she kind of pushed back on this to say, if it's safe enough for the other people, but it's not safe for me, like, what are we what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Is it safe or is it not safe? Yeah, and was she consulted about that decision at all? No, <laughs> no, of course not. Um, a couple other players also refused to return or like were called up and then left because they felt that the environment was not safe and not uh, not conducive to mental health. Um, mm-hmm. There is currently a compromise between Spain's players and the Federation after meetings involving government officials, um, which was a landmark, basically, uh, that they were willing to do this. Um, So the Spanish national team is technically mostly playing at the moment. They do have another game against Switzerland. This is the like the the European Nations League um, that's playing. Um, So that's it's not resolved but we're definitely there's progress being made things are you know like the the two assholes are out mm-hmm. the sides are talking people are starting to address it but also the the women's teams around the globe are still participating in the protests the players are all still wearing wristbands with Jenny Hermoso's number on them still doing the on the field actions with the signs all of that sort of thing um and and a surprising number of men's players are still supporting it too, including the Spanish men, which is really nice. You know, yes. it's one of those like you shouldn't have to depend on the men's support to get shit done, but also it's real nice when the men do yes. show yeah. public support for women's yes. sports issues. So, so uh, you know, we we've talked a lot about the the stuff about uh, Rubiales recently, but as mm-hmm. I was looking up his position in the Royal Spanish Federation of Football Football Federation, um, I'm scrolling through his Wikipedia, 
And apparently in 2022, his uncle and former chief of staff, Juan Rubiales, accused him of embezzlement uh, of RFEF money allegedly spent on private parties with group with a group of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also been accused of using Federation resources for his personal enjoyment um, mm-hmm. and also of devising an espionage scheme against the president of the Association of Spanish Footballers. And in December of 2022, Ruby Ellis uh, sued Wikipedia (laughs) for having that information on there. For having this, like, information on their website. Yeah. So he's many different flavors of asshole. Well, my favorite part about the whole thing, other than his mother locking herself in a church on a hunger strike, is that some cousin of his came out publicly to the media and was like, listen, the entire family thinks he's a fucking asshole and a moron. Please <laughs> do not judge the rest of his family by this idiot. That's amazing. <laughs> it's just like, man, how bad do you have to be that like your family makes a point to go to the media and say like, <laughs> not this asshole, man. Yeah. Um, in, a, in an interview with El Confidencial published on August 30th of this year, his uncle again, described Luis as someone obsessed with power, luxury, money, and women, mm-hmm. adding that his behavior was embarrassing and he needed a social re-education program. <laughs> this may be the same relative I'm thinking of. It might be. An uncle instead of I mean, it, yes. Honestly, yes. it kind of sounds like his Uncle Juan really does not like him. Yep, does kind of sound that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't really blame him. No. Yep, yep. So that's that's my update there. Um, And I think the last thing that we had uh, to talk about today uh, is just that we are going to take a little pause in October uh, because things are things are busy. It's a busy time of year, I think, for all of us. You may not notice. I know I was just going to say, I know people will notice this immediately given our incredibly prompt and timely just because this episode schedule. isn't going to post until October 20-something. <laughs> <laughs> it's still fair to let them know. It's true. Um, we still want to let our three loyal listeners, <laughs> Jess, Nancy's dad, and Mark, Benny. know. Oh, and Benny. It's a four. Four, four listeners. Four loyal listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, yep. Yep. But anything else from either of you? Any final no, I, thoughts? I am done talking about terrible men. Oh, I mean, I can give you a, a quick preview of the uh, pace, baseball yes. postseason if you want. Yes. Yeah, let's do it that. It will be utterly useless by the time this episode comes out. But perfect. Shh. I love it. To just to take a quick look, because we've got like seven or eight games left in the season. Okay. Okay. So quick view of what the postseason is going to look like. Sorry. So many windows. Um, Atlanta and the Dodgers have run away with their respective divisions. Um, the Orioles and the Rays will both definitely be in the postseason, but they're still, uh, competing with the top for the top spot in the AL East. And yes, I did say the Orioles who have been good this year. (laughs) Good for them. Right? I'm rooting for them. I got enough orange in my wardrobe. I can, I can go for that. Same, same. I can root for them. So in the other divisions, the Brewers will probably win the NL Central. Uh, Twins will probably win the AL Central. Uh, the AL West, uh, it, where the uh, A's play, 
quote unquote, <laughs> um, is almost evenly split between the Astros, Rangers, and Mariners right now. The Astros are currently a half a game up, but it could shake down any number of ways. And I don't know how the tiebreakers play out at this point. Go Mariners. Um, but two other teams are ahead of all three of them when it comes to records. So, okay. So because of the new postseason rules as of last year, the wild card spot is now actually three spots. Oh, um, so, and if it were decided today, the uh, National League wild spot three, wild card three, would include the Phillies, Diamondbacks, and Cubs. But the Marlins are only half a game behind the Cubs, and they have a, pr- oh, they wow, have a pretty wow. easy schedule coming up. Hey, hey. So things could go in their favor. Uh, if decided today, the uh, AL uh, wild card three would be either the Rays or the Orioles. Uh, the Blue Jays, and whoever comes second place in the Astros, Rangers, Mariners clusterfuck. So, oh, that's right. Oh. Jess was talking about how the Blue Jays are, are kind of yeah, maybe hanging they're in not there. They're not far ahead of that clump, but they are, they're they're mm-hmm. only like half a game up. But if they oh. maintain, they could stay. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. still, there's a variety of configurations that could come out of this. So my ideal sure. situation, Orioles win the AL East just because they've been underdogs for so long. Yeah, let's and hey, do why it. not? I don't, got nothing against the Rays, but be, give them the, the Orioles need a break. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Mariners win the AL West. Wildcard teams are Rays, Blue Jays, and Rangers, leaving the Astros out in the cold. Love it. Uh, and of course, I would love it if the Marlins snuck into that third uh, National League wildcard spot. Uh, and finally, with eight games left in the season, the A's can't get out of dead last place, even if they won oh. every game and the Royals oh, no. and the Royals lost every game. Oh, womp But at least their current win percentage is over 300. It's currently 301, which is not, <laughs> which is a good batting average. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's been rough. That's rough. Womp, womp, womp. Uh, well, in in hockey news, tomorrow starts preseason. Mm. So my life's about to get way more interesting. <laughs> Basketball <laughs> must be about to start preseason. It, it has to I keep be. I keep seeing all of these like I get so I have complained about this before. I will complain about this again, I am sure. But there's this obsession among Warriors fans of like who would be the perfect piece to add to the Warriors to like make Steph Curry be able to do his best job. Oh, and yeah. like I hate it. I hate <laughs> it. I don't want some other fucking superstar to like yeah. come in and like fight with Steph not literally fight cuz Steph right. can't do that, but like push and pull in the games with Steph because they can't figure it out. Like, no, just give yeah. him a couple solid veterans to come yeah. off the bench. We to got Chris him. Paul, keep Draymond and Clay, you know, don't let the rookies run crazy and it'll be fine. Yeah. Steph knows how to fucking do this. The rest yeah. of the team knows how to fucking do this. So I have been ignoring all of the preseason reporting because that's all it is. And it's been making sure. me crazy. So. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm actually for the first time in a couple of years I'm really excited about the capital season. We have a new nice. coach this year who is apparently really good with younger players and really oh, good with wow. rookies. That's and the nice. Capitals for the last three or four years have been the oldest or second oldest team in the league. Yes. Like the Capitals have not done a good job of fostering young talent. They've actually so lost like- several young players who are doing fantastically now so by oldest team in the league you mean they're still slightly younger than all of us uh, yes <laughs> uh but they're ancient for hockey uh-huh. <laughs> um 
So I'm, I'm genuinely excited. And ever since I like reframed my understanding of preseason, I get more excited about watching preseason games. Oh, that's nice. Even though they don't quote unquote mean anything, mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity to watch some of these rookies and to like see how they play and see how mm-hmm. they mesh with some of the older players who you know are always going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, that that makes it more exciting for me to watch preseason. Um, That's cool. So Capitals play at... Oh, also, living on the West Coast for hockey season is <laughs> so much better. <laughs> yeah. The Capitals yeah, it's play real good. 11 a.m. on Sunday. Nice. <laughs> you get your whole day back. Your whole night. Yep. Uh, whole, well, except for the fact that there are games until... Nine o'clock at night. Um, yep. Yeah. So maybe yeah, you'll actually spend I, more time watching excited. hockey. Amazingly. I will absolutely <laughs> spend more time watching hockey. Yes. But well, you'll have I'll a better be sleep watch, schedule. <laughs> it's true. I'll be able to watch West Coast games. Because like, yeah. Yeah. East Coast games will start difference. at 4 or 4.30 and West Coast games will start at 7 or 7.30. Mm-hmm. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm going to be totally insufferable to anybody who doesn't care about hockey. <laughs> Unfortunately, we love you and your Oscars. No, it's great. Just wait until the Oscars roll around and like they start at four and you're like, oh, this is so much nicer. That does sound nice. I think I watched the Oscars once and it was in college. Yes, you're very special. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel lives to drag me. It's good. It's fine. Also, last final thought. Happy birthday, Rebecca. Oh, that's oh, right. Thanks. Was it yesterday? No, it was a couple days ago. Okay. Yeah, it was Many a few days happy ago. returns. Thank you. No, no. Rebecca, will it. you tell folks where they can find us should they want to do so? <laughs> <laughs> yes, should you want to find us, uh, we are at foulpugpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Instagram at foulpugpodcast. We are on Twitter at foulpugpod. And our website is foulpugpodcast.net. And I would like to thank the incomparable Joe for working Mm. miracles uh, and doing our editing. And uh, Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for our music. And I would like to encourage everybody to spread the word of this here delightful podcast. Uh, Your friends, your family, take out an ad in the paper, post it online. Be our fifth listener. (laughs) Be our fifth listener. Uh, and also rate and review us uh, on the podcast listening app of your choice, but especially uh, Apple Podcast, whatever, whatever it's actually called. I don't fucking know. It's Friday. <laughs> and with that, don't take lessons from us about marketing. <laughs> no. I mean, you can if you want to. Anyway. You too can have four listeners. <laughs> hey, I think we've got five. I think my friend Jim listens sometimes. Jim, welcome! You too can have almost half a dozen listeners. (laughs) We've got more listeners than years we've been doing it. That's good enough. Hey, that's a way of looking at it. And there's more listeners than than posts. So that's true. That's also a way of looking at it. This is like in church when you have a bigger congregation than the altar party, you call it a success. (laughs) I like it. I like it. (laughs) All right. Rachel, what are we doing? Kicking some balls? Yes. Okay. Go kick Let's some go balls. <laughs>
podcasting.